Welcome to the People's Church Sermoncast. You can join us for our live worship services on Sundays at 10 a.m. People's Church is located at the corner of Mill Plain and Andreessen in Vancouver, Washington. Please visit our website at peoplesvancouver.church to learn more about our community and how you can get involved. And now for this week's sermon. You're listening to the sermon cast from People's Church of Vancouver, Washington. You're invited to join us on Sunday mornings at 10.30 a.m. We're located at 6801 East Mill Plain Boulevard in Vancouver, Washington. For more information, visit us at peopleschurchvancouver.org. Now for this week's sermon. Aren't you glad he reached out to you before you reached out to him? He chose to love you when you were unlovable. (laughs) And he's never fallen out of love with you since. Matter of fact, I believe the Lord's love and his blessing, his goodness increases over our life. The longer we live for him, the longer we serve him, the longer we stay connected to him. He gets sweeter every day, the old old hymnal says. Well, praise the Lord. Hopefully you had a great week. Summer's slip, slip, slipping away. And um, so if you're, gonna, <laughs> if you're going to uh, get that vacation in, you need to get it pretty quick. I've never ceased to be amazed at how some people get bored in the kingdom. It's the greatest endeavor. It's the greatest thing to be connected to. Uh, the plan and purpose of God's uh, plan over your life and for your life. Yeah, it's mysterious. You just walk up one day at a time. He takes you by the hand, and he doesn't show you 50 years down the road, but he will show you the next step. And um, he's a good God. So it's one of these blessings that I live, and I choose to live this over my life. Um, you know, if you've ever had somebody give you a word or, you know, you know a prophetic thing, or, or, or hopefully you know what I'm talking about, a word of wisdom or word of knowledge. You use those as weapons in your life. That's what they come for. And years ago, Susan and I were within a church in, in Portland, Oregon, just visiting, actually. And um, um, Larry and Tiz Hutch, I can't remember the name of their church, but uh, they were pastoring over there in Gleason. And we were in the service one day, and there was a great altar call, and Susan and I went down, and this wonderful powerful lady in the spirit came up and started praying over us and she just gave us words she said your best days are still to come and I know people say that a lot but that moment I received it as the Lord speaking to me and I want to tell you the years that have uh, transpired since then that word is one of my main weapons I keep going back to there have been a lot of good ones but that one Lord you said best days are yet to come and I believe the final fulfillment of that is when that day comes. Either we go to meet him in the air or we, um, uh, we leave this body and we go and take our heavenly body. But God has a plan for you is what I'm trying to say. So uh, we're going to go into the Word today. It's going to be uh, a good time in the Word. I look forward to, uh, you know, just been here a little while. And there is a real sincere desire in this church for the Word of God. Uh, I'm still trying to figure out all the Bible classes that happen here. <laughs> you know who you are. Get in. If you can't find a Bible class in this church, you need some help. But uh, there's all kinds of ways to get connected. You go on the website, and we're getting the, the announcements are up on the board. You can see it on the overhead. And if you don't know, just find uh, find somebody that looks like they know what they're doing around here and say, hey, where can I get plugged into? And um, 
But I appreciate that, that that's been put in you by shepherds over decades, the love for the Word of God. And um, it's, it's, it's something that is so supernaturally profound because we can't make it without having a, a routine and consistent input of the Word of God coming in our life. Just like you can't make it without eating food on a regular basis. Um, you can't make it without that input of the Word of God. So, uh, let's just give the Lord thanks for the Word today. Just repeat after me. Say, I love the Word of God. It's a lamp to my feet. It's a guide unto my path. It's food for my soul. It's nourishment to my spirit. Today, Lord, anoint your Word to touch my life. And I'll never, never be the same again. Because I can do what it says I can do. I can have what it says I can have. And I am who it says I am. Blessed in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, I want to talk to you. It's, I've, I've mentioned this phrase several times since being here. But I actually want to get in and kind of break it down a little bit. It's a revelation. It's not deep or anything like that. But it's something the Lord spoke to me. And, and to a ministry team we were working with over the past couple of years... Uh, you know, COVID came and churches shut down and it's like, oh my goodness, uh, they never taught us this in Bible college. Nobody ever, nobody, I never heard the word COVID ever mentioned not once. I, I don't know what happened to those prophets, but it was never there. And um, here we are facing it, not just as a state or a nation or a city, but the whole world facing it. And um, and the Lord began to minister to us and, and began to speak to me. I went, I went to just seasons of prayer. I mean, I would just go and spend as much time as I could praying and seeking the Lord. And in it all, the Lord began to speak to me in, all, in a rhema type way in where I knew it was the Lord speaking deep to deep. And he said, the miracles are in the messes. So the messier it gets, begin to look for the biggest miracles you've ever seen. And we shared that. We kind of prayed that through. We kind of worked that out a little bit as best we could through the word. And um, uh, over the next couple of years, I watched and witnessed things happen that that, number one, would not have happened. Miracles, the miracles we saw in some of those would not have happened without the mess that we were going through. And I think it's one of the strategies of the enemy to come and tell you whenever you're going through a difficult time that somehow God's forsaken you. Just read the book a little bit, and you'll find that his people, God's people, uh, routinely and consistently find themselves put in situations that are bigger than they are. And I believe it's by God's design. I know the devil likes to capitalize on it because he kills, steals, and destroys. But the Lord likes to show that he is stronger than the enemy. That he has a way for your life, regardless what the circumstances may look like that you're facing. Um, and so I want to I address a little bit the miracles are in the message. And this morning I want to talk about specifically uh, the midnight worship service. And number one, you can I love worship. Oh, the other thing, you're, you folks are people of the Word, but you're also people who love the worship. And we've got a great worship ministry team here and all of that. And, and uh, God just uh, is highly favored us. But um, uh, what I want to talk to you about, the midnight worship service, isn't, it's not when you bring the band in. It's, it's whenever it's just you. <laughs> and it's one of the most powerful revelations that, that we all need to really get a grip on. Because uh, I'm not, when I say the midnight worship, you know I'm not talking about chronological, you know, when the hands are on the clock, right? I'm talking about when you're, <laughs> my wife just takes everything I say so literally. So uh, uh, I'm talking about those, those times when it seems dark in your life. And um, it's like, God, what am I going to do in this thing? Over in Acts chapter 16, I want you to go there. That's going to be our jumping off point this morning. Acts chapter 16, just going to pick up and begin reading at verse 13. And um, <clears throat> it'll be up on the screen. And, and in Acts 16, verse 13, it says, and on the, and on the Sabbath day, uh, we went out of the city to the riverside. This is Paul and Silas on a missionary journey, and they're just um, they're just talking about their their trip. 
And uh, as they went out there, the Sabbath day, we went out of the city to the riverside where prayer was customarily made. They knew where the prayer meeting was going on, and, and, they, and they attended. And we sat down and spoke to the women who met there. Now, a certain woman named Lydia heard us, and she was a seller of purple from the city of Tyatira, who worshipped God. And the Lord opened her heart to heed the things spoken by Paul. And when she and her household were baptized, she begged us, saying, If you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come to my house and stay. So she persuaded us. The last couple of weeks, and it's not been by design, it's just been as we've been going through the Word. How many? We just keep running into this thing about hospitality. I think God's saying something here. Number one, I, he's, he's, giving, he's giving us kudos. You know, this is a very hospitable church. But uh, maybe you need to, we need to tune the frequency a little bit better that, Lord, show us ways where we can extend hospitality to people who need it, to people who, uh, uh, who, who, who need somebody to come into their life and just love on them a little bit. And so it happened in verse 16, uh, as we went to prayer, that a certain slave girl, that is, they went to the house, they were praying there, they did a lot of praying in the book of Acts. <laughs> and as we went to prayer, that a certain slave girl, possessed, possessed with a spirit of divination, met us, who brought her masters much profit by fortune-telling. This girl followed Paul and us and cried out, saying, These men are the servants of the Most High God, who proclaim to us the way of salvation. And this she did for many days. But Paul, greatly annoyed, turned and said to the Spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus to come out of her. And he came out that very hour. But when her master saw that their hope of profit was gone, they seized Paul and Silas, dragged them into the marketplace to the authorities. And they brought them to the magistrates and said, These men, being Jews, exceedingly trouble our city. And they teach customs which are not lawful for us, being Romans, to receive or observe. Which was a lie, actually, if you go into the history of that. Verse 22. Then the multitude rose up together against them. The magistrates tore off their clothes and commanded them to be beaten with rods. And when they had laid many stripes on them, they threw them into prison, commanding the jailer to keep them securely. Having received such a charge, he put them into the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stocks. But at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the prisoners were listening to them. (laughs) I love that. Suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prisons were shaken, and immediately all the doors were open, and everyone's chains were loosed, and the keeper of the prison, waking from sleep and seeing the prison doors open, supposing the prisoners had fled, drew his sword and was about to kill himself. But Paul called with a loud voice, saying, Do yourself no harm, for we are all here. Then he called for a light, ran in, fell down trembling before Paul and Silas, and he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? So they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and you'll be saved, you and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and all who were there in his house and took them the same hour of the night and washed their stripes. That is, this this jailer, this prison guard, took them, washed their their wounds, their stripes, and immediately he and all his family were baptized. What an incredible story. You think that being out preaching the gospel, seeing people come to Jesus, seeing people set free from demonic possession, entire regions being impacted by the gospel, you think everything would, 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 uh, everybody would really be happy with that and, and excited that you are there, wouldn't you? But anytime the Spirit of God begins to move in, in ways, particularly in deliverance, particularly in revival, particularly in, in changing the spiritual um, atmosphere of a region or a place, The enemy is going to stir everything he can to stir things up. He's going to do everything he can to stir things up and just, uh, you know, try to discourage the people of God, try to discourage the move of God. And uh, here, Paul and Silas doing what the Lord had called them to do ended up, we read the story, ended up in the bottom, in the worst place in the prison in town, chained and shackled, stripped naked, beaten, sitting down there in the middle of the night, 
the great, I think one of the greatest examples for how Christians need to conduct themselves in the face of, of, uh, of opposition and, and, you know, messes and things that are not going good. They decide uh, between themselves, why don't we just begin to praise God? Why don't we just begin to sing at midnight? Why don't we just begin to declare how great and how good God is? And that's where, if you thought it was supernatural with them going to the prayer meeting with the ladies down by the river, and Lydia saying, come and stay at my house, and the young lady who, who was filled with demons, uh, you know, uh, harassing them, being set free, if you thought that was supernatural, this is where the supernatural power really begins to extend itself into, into their life and into their, into the world. Powerful praise born in prison experiences of life. That's where your most powerful times of praise and worship are going to come. Over in Isaiah 61. I'm just going to turn there real quickly. You all probably know the verse. is a very uh, famous verse. Jesus quoted it. But um, Jesus, uh, talking from uh, in the temple, he read this verse and said, this, is, this has been fulfilled in your ears. He said, the Spirit of the Lord God is upon me. And this is what uh, the Spirit of the Lord God is upon me for. Because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. And he sent me to heal the brokenhearted and proclaim liberty to the captives. Listen to this. And the opening of the prison to those who are bound. What he's talking about in that uh, last portion of verse 1 of Isaiah 61, when he says the opening of the door, uh, the opening of the prison to those who are bound, he's not talking about a literal physical jailhouse. He's talking about uh, those areas in our lives where, where we are held captive by, where we have been taken prison. That is, an authority greater than what we have in our own strength is holding us bound. Jesus said, I've come to set those kind of people free. And uh, the, the praise that is born out of the prison experience as the Lord sets you free in those circumstances is the most purest and powerful praise. And that's what I believe just just extends uh, the the uh, manifestation of the kingdom even greater than, than it's ever been. And so one of the things I want to get across to you today is that um, whenever you face the messes of life, and everybody does, they're going to just happen just because we're living in a, in a world that is like the world is that we live in. The messes are going to happen in our lives. In those times, instead of believing the lie of the enemy... You need to begin to say, Lord, I'm looking to see what you're going to do in the middle of this circumstance that I'm in. And then watch and see what happens. I've got a new friend here today in the front rows, Anthony, and I told him I'm not going to embarrass him. But I wanted to share this, this story. Um, we, we needed to clean up some messes down in the downstairs of, of the church last week. And I won't get into all that, but just some things need to be cleaned up in the kitchen. And so I had Susan. I said, hey, get online and find somebody that can help move big, heavy things. <laughs> And because uh, uh, we need to, we need to, we need to take and, and clean up some stuff that's going on down there for some of the other uh, tenants that use the building. And and so, out of all of the people on Craigslist, Anthony, that do um, removal of old things, somehow, my wife picked your number and your ad. And so, Michael and I, Michael was and I, we were down there on Friday morning. The time came, and and uh, in comes Anthony, and he bumps downstairs, and and. Um, we said we got a couple of refrigerators we need to move out, and so we were kind of processing all of that. And and, and I had seen the fridges, but you know I just kind of looked at them quickly. <laughs> One of those fridges was more than Anthony and me, and me. it was a it's a it was a big fridge, and I mean it was a heavy fridge and all of that. And um, uh, and it was it was uh, we were just kind of standing there looking at it, saying, Lord, what? How are we going to handle this? And anyway, I won't go into all the details, but Anthony began to just kind of talk about the things that had happened in his life recently and, and, and uh, the marvelous thing that, that I could hardly believe, that he used to come to this church years ago. What was it? Was it Awanas? 
It was during Awana's days, and I don't, that would have been back in when? That would have been back in early 90s. I don't know, uh, whenever you were a little boy. But um, here, all these years later, the Lord caused, I call these divine intersections, divine appointments. So by the time it was all done, it really wasn't about the refrigerator. It really wasn't about cleaning up the mess. It was really about opportunities to pray with one another and to encourage one another in the Lord and to watch what the Lord uh, was doing. And so I texted Anthony and said, hey, I'd love for you to be my guest today, and I want to just share a little bit of that story. Because what I was looking at as a mess, and, and, and not an inconvenience, you just have to deal with things that need to be dealt with. But I was like, Lord, I've got ten other things that I need to be doing today besides trying to get those, those fridges out of there. And, uh, but the Lord had another plan. And as I sat back and took, uh, reflected on that, it, he just said, I told you, watch for the miracles and the messes. And so I want to bring to you uh, some, some of the songs. So, so Paul and Silas, when they were in their mess and they were in prison, they began to sing in the middle of the night. They began to praise God in the middle of the night. What, I, I don't know what the top ten Christian list was back then. And I don't even know if it was the songs that they were singing, that others were singing, or whether it was a new song. You all know what I mean when I say a new song? A song that's just burst in your heart and spirit because of the moment and the, and the circumstances that are there. That's kind of what I think it was. But they began to sing in the middle of that. And that's whenever something beyond them began to take place. Number one, they were set free. Uh, secondly, the people that were in charge of keeping them captive got saved. And not only that, his whole family got saved. Uh, the, the, uh, uh, the, the church was brought into a... This, the whole region in the city was shaken. But uh, the very thing that caused that to happen wasn't the revival with Lydia. It was the revival that came out of the prison. And sometimes I think we get uh, too caught up in trying to look for the big positive things to say, man, look what the Lord has done. Um, I'm just telling you, the days that we're going into as a nation and as a world and as individuals, uh, I'm looking, God, whenever it looks and I don't see how there is a way to get through this, that's when I, my faith is going to rise. And I'm going to let the song of praise come up in my heart, even though what I'm, I'm not praising you for you know, tragedy or sickness or broken, but I'm praising what the Lord does in the middle of that. That's when you'll see. And so we're going to take a few minutes and go over to Psalms 103. And there are like five or six things here. Songs to sing when you're in the middle of the mess. And he kind of goes through a little list here about uh, the, the things to encourage yourself. And when I say sing, I don't. I, yeah, it might be a melody, but it's really that song that is, is the praise that comes out of your life saying, God, you're bigger than what this is. You're bigger than what's going on in my circumstance. You're bigger than what's going on in, in maybe the nation or the world or all the crazy things that are going on. And so in Psalms 103, David was this, David was this sweet psalmist of the Lord. He knew what it was to sing in the midnight time and the, and the, and the broken times of his life. And, um, and this is, this is a psalm of David. This is one of the things that he wrote. And in verse one, he said, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Number one, you're going to have to engage 100% that you're going to praise God with everything that, uh, that you have when you're in the middle of the mess. There are times <laughs> whenever uh, it's easy to have the oh, woe is me's come upon you. you know, maybe, am I the only one? Or, and um, uh, I will say this. My helpmate, Susan, whenever the oh, woe is me's come upon me, uh, I can tell you what her ministry is at that point. And it's like, you need to stop that, and we need to start praising Jesus. And we do that. And she always says it in love. Never once have I heard, if you don't stop that, I'm going to beat you. She never has said that. But uh, maybe she thought of it. I don't know. But, uh, but so what he's saying here, bless the Lord on my soul and all that is within me. Listen, when you're in the middle of a mess, it's not, it's not time to give 50% worship. 
<laughs> it's not time to come in on a Sunday morning and say, well, I'll lift my hands if they got the right songs going on. It doesn't matter what songs are going up there. You get your hands up in the air and say, I'm going to praise Jesus no matter what's going on. There have been times in my life, and we've gone into a servant, and I said, babe, I don't care what the altar call is. If it's, if it's a really messy altar call, I'm going down. So if it's, if it's like really bad, just don't read things in. I'm just going to the altar call. I'm, 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 I'm heading for, I'm heading for God. <laughs> there are those times when all that is within me bless his holy name. And you know, your flesh will be against that. The enemy will certainly be against that. There may even be times when others are against that. Remember Job's wife? You know, he lost everything, lost his family, lost his health, lost his finances, lost his home, lost his business, lost everything. And he's still keeping the stiff upper lip and giving God the glory and all that. And she said, man, Job, why don't you just curse God and die? And he said, no way. Later on, Job said, even if he slay me, I'll praise him. Even if he slay me, I'll trust him. Even if he, even, it doesn't matter what's going on. I'm not losing. I'm not taking my hope out of the things of God. That's what David is talking about here. Bless the Lord, all my soul, in verse 2. And forget not all of his benefits. Now, the, the, these next few things that I'm going to go through, they're literally David listing the benefits that the Lord had brought into his life. And those benefits, they're there all the time, but I'm going to tell you, those benefits are most enjoyed when the messes come in. How many know a little bit about David's life? To know. He had to deal with some messes. Some just happened by others, and some he made on his own. I tell people this, is that I don't mind if you make a mess. You just need to clean it up. So you all can make any kind of mess you want, but just clean your mess up. And uh, in any area of life. So, uh, and, and you know what? God will help you and anoint you and strengthen you and even bring others alongside of you to help you if you need. But uh, those messes come. There are opportunities to see the hand of God do great and mighty things. So all of his benefits. Verse 2, he said, bless the Lord on my soul and forget not all of his benefits. All of his benefits. It literally means God's good treatment. So what happens is when the mess happens, you begin to minimize all the good things that God has ever done for you. Or they kind of take the backseat and all your emphasis and focus goes on because we get mission focused, right? You know what that means? You get mission focused. Something's going on and you just focus all your energies right on that thing. And that's good and that's survival and all of that. But here he's saying in the middle of that, don't forget the benefits of the Lord. Don't forget the benefits of God. Don't forget God's good treatment of your life in the past. How many can say, Pastor, God's been good to me because he's good all the time. Uh, I might be facing a really rough thing, but God has been good to me. And so you bring that into your remembrance and it becomes the praise. It becomes a river of praise. Jesus said that uh, the Holy Spirit would come and he'd become a river of living water that would flow out of us. Part of that living water is the anointing and the ability to praise God in the midst of difficult circumstances. That's what the Holy Spirit does. So we, for, we remember all of his benefits. Verse 3, he begins to list them. These are his benefits. Who forgives all your iniquities. You break that down to what he's talking about. It literally means that God, God's uh, divine restoration into favor. Whenever God begins to bring you out and forgive all of your iniquities, those iniquities are the things that separated you from his presence and from his favor. Whenever you come to him and you ask him, Lord, forgive me. I've messed up. I've sinned. I need you. Please help me. He will come and he will bring you back into divine favor. If, if you didn't know the Lord and you said yes and became a Christian, at that point, you didn't have his favor on you before, but now he brings you into his divine favor. He makes his face to shine upon you. He makes his face to smile upon you. And this is something that David knew uh, intimately, is that when God forgives iniquities, he restores divine favor. uh, Favor is one of those things that I believe you can never have enough of, is God's favor upon your life. Remember young Samuel? It says as he grew physically, that because he had the call of God on his life, he was saying yes when the Spirit of God was, was moving upon him. It says that he grew in favor with God and with man. How many need that in your life? I need to grow in favor with God and man. You know what favor will do? 
It'll cause the right people to call the right ad at the right time. So you've got some favor on your life. It'll cause, it'll cause things to happen in your life that are unexpected. That is, you're not looking for it, but all of a sudden, here it comes into your life, and it's like, wow, that was really a, 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 a happy accident. Kind of, no, that's the favor of God that's come upon you. It's whenever the boss comes in and says, man, you've been doing such a great job. It's even before your review, and they just say, I'm going to give you a raise. That's the favor of God. <laughs> the favor of God I was reading this week in, in, um, uh, in Psalms, I believe this one was, but it says that, that um, a father rejoices with righteous children. When his children serve the Lord, there's just a joy that comes upon the father's life. That's the favor of God. You raise them up. And as they serve the Lord, his benefits and his favor comes upon yours. He forgives in, uh, iniquities. He, he removes the twist. That word iniquity means the twist that is in us by the fall where we just go, where we just go, where we just go off the track. That's iniquity. It's like we're born and shapen in iniquity. What's that mean? That we're born uh, with the need of God coming and putting a right heart within us. And he's the only one that can do it. We surrender our will to him, but he's the one that puts the right heart in. Part of his benefits, Lord, thank you for forgiving my iniquities, for restoring me in the favor. So whenever you're in the middle of the mess, you just need to be, begin to declare right then and there, God, I'm expecting your favor to show up in my life right now. Right now. God, I'm believing for your favor to be upon me in the middle of this. And I believe that the Lord brings that. He goes on in verse 3, and he said, all, uh, he forgives all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases. Well, preacher, I see Christians all the time that, that have diseases and that have sicknesses and even, and even die of them. Well, number one, we're all going to die of something someday, somewhere, somehow, some way. We get that. But the promise of God is, through Jesus, that through his stripes, that the Lord wants to and has positioned a way to bring healing into our lives. Whenever I get to heaven, that's going to be one of the questions I ask him. Lord, why did sometimes and other times... It didn't. Why is that? I don't know, but the Lord will um, uh, give us understanding then. We won't need the healing then, but he'll give us understanding. But here's the thing. In the here and now, you need to stand in that position that what uh, God does in my life, I'm believing him for healing in my physical body whenever I need it. Have you ever been sick, Gary? Oh, many times. Have you ever been healed? Oh, many times. Miraculously healed, divinely healed. Other times, doctors have healed me. Other times, my body just by is being is being created to heal itself. Uh, I know if Jesus tarries and, it, and we are here long enough, one of these days, my body's just going to wear out and it's, it's going to give up, just like yours is going to do. But I do believe this, that in the middle of my journey, Lord, I'm going to believe you that you're the healer of my diseases. I'm going to believe you for that. Don't let the enemy rob you of that because of things that you've seen, because of things that you've experienced in your own life. Believe him for the best. Amen? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Come on, yeah. Um, well, we'll give the we'll give the good clap on this next one. Who redeems your life from destruction? Okay, he brings divine healing, and then it's kind of connected in verse four. He brings divine protection. How many know? In just your knower, because you've watched what happened in your life, there was probably at least one time that you should have died and you didn't. Can I see a hand? That's the majority of the people. Oh man, some of you got both hands and toes and. You've been living dangerously. <laughs> uh, I do believe this. I believe and live with the idea of this. I believe in God's divine protection over my life. Uh, I don't know how many remember Oral Roberts, and uh, I've just seen the YouTube videos and stuff back in the glory days. I remember hearing about it, um, you know, certain things. But there was a time in Oral's life when he said, nobody can kill me. And he, you know, it was kind of controversial at that moment. What he was saying is, is that as long as I'm doing what God has called me to do, God's, uh, God's going to keep me alive until my job is done. That's what he was really saying. There's, a, there's this thing about divine protection. So if you're, 
If you're coming into life and the mess shows up and something comes and you begin to feel exposed, you begin to feel vulnerable, you begin to feel fearful about your children, about your about the things that you are within this life, you need to begin to realize, God, uh, I'm going to sing in this midnight hour of your divine protection over my life. God, you are the one that is puts a shield around me and a rear guard behind me. You're the one that watches over me. Even though uh, a thousand fall on my left and ten thousand on my right, it will not come near me. That's what that's what the uh, uh, word tells us, that there is a divine protection. How many times in reading the Gospels uh, did you see where they wanted to either take Jesus or kill Jesus? And he said, my time has not yet come. And then he just slipped away. Divine protection. That's not only for Jesus. That's for you. That's for his people. I believe we're probably coming into days and times and seasons where we're going to need that more than in the past. Somebody just say, I've received that for my life, Pastor. I'm going to live under divine protection within my life. The next one. We're getting close to uh, wrapping this up in verse 4. He goes on, these are his benefits. Who redeems your life from destruction? <clears throat> he gives you uh, healing and diseases. He redeems your life from destruction. And he brings, uh, who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies. I wanted to take this tender mercies. Because it's not something, we can kind of connect the dots in some of those other ones, but tender mercies, it's not something we talk about. It's not a phrase or term that we use in, in our, in our modern uh, thing, but it's very powerful what he's bringing out. David is saying, Lord, these are your benefits. And he comes down and he says, uh, one of your benefits is tender mercies. The word literally breaks down. You can look it up on your own. Don't, don't Google it now, but you can look it up later. Um, it, it literally, it translates to the womb. What it, what it means is cherishing the fetus. If you are wondering where God stands on abortion, this is one of the most primary powerful verses you can, you can find. Is that he, he cherishes that that is helpless on its own. That which cannot survive on its own. God says, I'm going to put my covering around you. Remember what Jesus said when he looked over Jerusalem and he wept? And he said, how many times, what the phrase, he said, how many times I would have gathered you like a mother hen gathers her chicks? But he said, you wouldn't. There's this thing about tender mercies is that God, when I'm at my most vulnerable, that's when I need your covering over my life. Uh, another way I, 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 I love this one is that uh, God's not going to abort you. God's not going to get to a point and say, you know what? You just didn't turn out the way that I thought maybe. And so I'm going to just move. He doesn't do that in your life. God has tender mercies to you. Why do you think the Bible is so sometimes uh, brutally honest in depicting the great people of scripture. He doesn't pull punches. He just, you just get the, the good, the bad, and the ugly. And you think, man, Lord, if, uh, if it was in the woke culture, you would kind of maybe not, not, uh, uh, focus on the failure part. No, God said, I, this is about, not about them. This is about my tender mercies that I'm going to cover my people. The 12 apostles were the most unlikely lot you would have ever, ever dreamed of. And yet Jesus took them. And in the end, he said, Lord, I thank you that I've not lost a one of them, except the son of perdition, except, except Judas. He said, I kept, what he was talking about was his tender mercies. Peter, the devil would wants to sift you like wheat. What was the end of Jesus' exhortation to Peter at that? But I prayed for you. How many knows he's praying for you? He prays for you. When you can't pray for yourself. <laughs> I love this last one. I'm going to finish it with this. In verse 5, he goes on and he talks about, and this is one of his benefits. Who satisfies your mouth with good. Who satisfies your mouth with good things. Who satisfies your mouth with good things. 
I believe he's talking about the power of God that comes and will uh, intervene in your life in breaking of addictive behavior that's destructive in your life. That is, the enemy wants to satisfy you with a lie that, oh, if you do this or take this or, or drink that or, or live this way, that that's what it's going to be all about and you're going to be happy. It's a, it's a falsehood. It's a deception. It's a lie. The Lord comes and he satisfies uh, you and he, uh, his mercy does not make you sad. It makes you glad. His salvation is filled with all types of benefits. This power of the breaking of addictive behavior. If you're here today and you know that there are things in your life that would be best if you left them behind, I'm going to tell you that one of his benefits is he's going to give you the satisfaction that is going to replace that with something that's better. And as a matter of fact, it's with his goodness and his kingdom. That's one of the things the Lord does. These six verses of praise that will break you out of prison. I wanted to pray specifically, and I'm not going to, I'm not going to go for a show of hands or anything like that, but I felt in going through this that uh, the Holy Spirit said, I'm going to break the power of addiction in some people's life today. So I want us to stand. And um, if there's anything within your life, and, it, and, and I'm not looking, you know, I'm not looking for checking the box of, you know, um, uh, the, the obvious things that we uh, can say, oh, man, that's bad for you. Anything that takes, anything that takes the preeminence over Jesus needs to be readjusted. <laughs> oh, man, that widens the circle. Oh, yeah, I've got some things, too. We all do. Lord, I want to be satisfied with one thing, and that is your goodness. So, Father, I pray right now, and I ask Holy Spirit to be released over this people. And, Lord, as we praise you in the middle of things at times that are not going the way that we would like them to, yet in the middle of that we see that you show up and you do your greatest work (laughs) in the darkest hour. Lord, I pray today that uh, those areas of our lives that are up under the control of some addictive behavior, I pray that that would be healed and that addictive power would be broken by the name of Jesus. Lord, I pray that it would literally be a miraculous thing that would take place. Yes, we line ourselves up with your will. We line ourselves up with your word. Because sometimes it's just our flesh. Just it's, We just struggle with it. God, I pray today that the power of addictive behavior, the power of worry and fear, the power of that uh, we, we get focused on the wrong things and the things that are temporal. Lord, I pray today that our focus will be turned heavenward like it's never been before. God, a vote isn't going gonna, isn't gonna to fix our nation. Revival is going to fix it. God, uh, more stuff isn't going to make us happier. Lord, more of you is going to make us happier. Uh, getting a bigger building or a better place and all of that, it doesn't fix anything. Lord, what we need is that you being right in the middle of where we're at. And so we welcome you within that in Jesus' name. Now, I'm not going to ask you to make vows uh, that you can't keep, but I am going to ask you to surrender things and say, Lord, I need your help within this. And so, Father, we take this last moment and we just say, God, we offer it up to you. We need your help in it. Set us free. Who the Son sets free is free indeed. The joy of the Lord becomes the greatest um, source of strength within your life. And the joy of God comes in your life when you begin to praise him in the middle of things that don't seem uh, appropriate to praise him in. Yet when you do, you see God show up and that changes everything. If you're here this morning and you've never accepted Christ... Or if you're here today and you've, you're, you're, you've walked away from the Lord and you're wanting to come back, I'm, I'm going to give you the opportunity. I'll be down here for a few minutes after the service. Come and see me. I'd love to talk with you and pray with you. And uh, uh, I, I've made a commitment to the Lord, Susan and I have, that we're going to give an, uh, as much as we can opportunities for people to respond to Jesus every chance that we can. So uh, let's put our hands together and thank Jesus for who he is and that we're going to live in a life of victory. And God is with you and he's for you. You're going to have a great week. Use the power of the invitation this week and see what the Lord will do with, uh, with that. He'll surprise you with it. God bless you. Find a Bible study, a prayer meeting, or something to get into this week. Have a wonderful time. Bye-bye.
Let your kingdom come. 